There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 64. Old Testament book of Psalms 64. Psalms chapter number 64. We've been spending several weeks now Uh, going through the but gods of the Bible and going through where God interrupts our lives. Just looking at the phrase, but God or but thou, O Lord, where God begins to interrupt our lives. I want to show you another one here today. Psalm 64. Let's all stand and read the Word of God. Psalms chapter number 64 and look at verse 1. We'll read the entire chapter. There's only 10 verses, but Psalm 64 and verse 1. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. They that shoot in in secret at the perfect, suddenly do they shoot at him uh, and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune, uh, they commune of lying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They stretch out iniquities and they accomplish a, a diligent search. Both the inward th- thought of, of, excuse me, uh, both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. Listen to verse 7. But God shall shoot, an, shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider His doing. And the, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him and all the upright in heart shall glory. Go back to verse 7. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I just want to pick up that phrase. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for Calvary. We're so thankful for that blood that saves that paid the price of redemption so that every man might repent and believe. There is sufficient blood to save every lost man in this world. God, I'm so thankful for that. God, we pray that you would give us insight into that gospel truth today. We pray that for those that are here without a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, that their heart would be... uh, would be made aware of the dire need that they have to be protected by the salvation that is in the Lord Jesus. Lest the judgment of God befall them as an arrow from the heavens. God, I pray you'd give me clarity of thought. I pray that you'd bar the devil 
uh, from trying to interrupt what might be said this morning. God, I pray you'd help me to present gospel truth clearly, reasonably, Father. God, I pray folks would come and put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Let us glorify your name and the fact that some of us in here know you. Some of us fall under the protection of God, that the arrow that had our name on it, that had us, us in the crosshairs, landed at Calvary, Father, and our judgment has been passed. Oh, God, I pray that you'd help me today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. On March the 11th, this past uh, March 2008, in Los Angeles, in a suburb of Los Angeles called Lancaster, a man was found dead face down on the sidewalk at 1.45 a.m. in the morning. When paramedics arrived on the scene, they turned the body over and were shocked to find that the man was killed by the shot of an arrow through his heart, right dead center of his chest. The 62-year-old man, Angel Martinez, had died from an arrow lodged in his chest. There were no suspects, no eyewitnesses, no explanation to the apparent reason why such a gruesome thing had happened. Local residents uh, remembered uh, Angel Martinez as an old man that often would go late in the evening to for an evening walk, an evening stroll through the neighborhood. Imagine, for you, uh, if, uh, if you will, you being Angel Martinez and, and you out for an evening late night stroll along uh, the boulevard and on the sidewalk and out of the blue, out of, the, uh, out, of, uh, out of what seems to be out of thin air, an arrow pierces your heart and you find yourself lying on the concrete and gone out into e eternity. The swift, sudden, and silent shot of an arrow is a frightful thing. I remember those old westerns and how that the two cowboys would be talking and all of a sudden, an arrow out of nowhere hits the nearby uh, wagon or hits the tree nearby. What a frightful thing. It's something that would strike terror in anybody's heart. Now, now I'm not in any way saying that God shot an arrow out of heaven to kill Angel Martinez. I'm not, don't go there. Don't even say, don't even, I don't even think that this morning. That's not my implication at all. But what I would like for you to see is the sudden unexpected nature of God's wrath. Our text says in Psalm 64, 7, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow and suddenly shall they be wounded. It is of the utmost importance that every person should be alerted to the threat of God's righteous wrath by seeing four characteristics that are laid out in this psalm. I want you to see four characteristics that will make us aware of the impending judgment of God upon the wicked. First of all, I want you to see this. I, I want you to see the strength behind the arrow of God's wrath. The strength behind the arrow. Now, all, the, all of the internet and all the searches that I did never turned up one shred of evidence beyond the initial report of what happened to Angel Martinez. The police have yet to determine who was behind the arrow that killed Angel Martinez. But there is no doubt who's behind the fatal arrow in our text. 
it says clearly, but God, uh, but God sh uh, shall shoot at them with an arrow. Uh, our, our person behind the arrow is obvious in our text. It is God that shot this arrow. The, first of all, when we think about who is behind this arrow, who is on the, uh, the generating portion of this arrow, I want you to think about the might of God behind this arrow. The might of God. You, you uh, ever go out to those sporting goods stores? and I, Listen, if I were a hunter, I'm not a hunter, but if I were a deer hunter, I think the way I'd do it would be with a bow and arrow, son. I, I think that's the coolest way to hunt. And you ever been to those sporting goods stores and you'll, you'll take that compound boat and it's got that cam action to the boat. You ever tried to pull those back? I mean, that'll take some effort. That takes some strength, some might to be able to do that. Well, who's the might behind the arrow of God's judgment here? Well, the word in verse number 7, but God, it's the Hebrew word for Elohim. It means the supreme God, the God above all gods, the three-in-one God. The word Elohim is used in the very onset of your Bible, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, the Creator, mighty God, the one who gives life, and the one who takes life. The God who's at very, who's at very, whose word, at his very word, the fountains over of the deep opened up to consume this wicked world in the judgment of the flood. A God at whose command fire and brimstone fell from the sky to destroy the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. A God at whose will the earth opened up and swallowed the rebellious Korah and his cohorts. A God whose power killed a man that dared to touch the covenant-holding ark. He is a God of might. He is a God of strength behind this arrow. Many men, it just amazes me how they'll shake their fist in God's face. They'll shake their puny little lives and their, their, uh, their puny little accusations against God. When all the while God could smite their heart in an instant it'd be over for Him. The might of this God a God, He is a God not to be trifled with. He is a mighty God. Notice not only a mighty God, He's a majestic God. This word Elohim is a word that indicates a majestic, holy, and just God who is always good and yet always righteous. He is always... Uh, he is, a, he is the avenger of wrong and He is the standard of truth. He will not be accused of injustice. He is perfect in righteousness. All of the deeds He performs are just and upright. He is spotless and guiltless and good. He is unsearchable, incorruptible, invisible and immortal. He is the light Love and long-suffering. There is none beside Him. There is none before Him. There is none like Him. He is caring, compassionate, and consuming. He is the most high, the mighty, and the merciful. He is the majestic God. If He fires an arrow and slays the wicked, He cannot be accused of injustices. This person that shot Angel Martinez, I hope they bring him to justice. But if it was God that fired that arrow, He is right and upright in all His doings. He is a mighty God and He is also a majestic God. We see not only the might of God, the majesty of God, but also the motive of God. It is not known what is the motive behind the death 
of Mr. Martinez. Police suspect it was a thrill killing, maybe by some gang members. Uh, they, they would oftentimes pick out a homeless man, a man they thought would not be missed, and they would target him in what's called a thrill killing. Well, I want to tell you the truth. God is not a thrill seeker. God is not a thrill killer. He is, the, uh, he is unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you see, Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, is not willing that anybody fall in judgment, that anybody experience the wrath of Almighty God. His motive is not a thrill killing. You must understand that. When it comes to the judgment and the righteous wrath of God, it is not a motive of thrill-seeking. He's not haphazardly running across this world smacking down folks at will. He is a majestic and powerful yet merciful God. Well, that brings us to the next part. Not only the characteristic of God, the strength behind the arrow of God's wrath, but notice the subject uh, before the arrow of God's wrath. The subject. Who's in the crosshairs? We may not know why Mr. Martinez died and why his death had to happen, but we know. But we we know. But we don't. But we can't. We don't know the who of Martinez. We don't know. I don't know much about it. I don't know how he felt about God. Couldn't find out a lot about what he thought about God. But this chapter does indicate who this target was, what they were like. Who are the ones that are targeted in our text? Well, if we'll look at verses 1 through 6, we'll be able to find and investigate who was in the crosshairs of God's wrath. Notice, first of all, the threatenings of the subject. The threatenings of the target. Notice he said in, in verse number 1, Oh God, uh, David is crying out to God. He said, Oh, hear my voice, O oh God, and my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the enemy, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Many of the Psalms that you'll read, you'll find David pleading to God about his enemies, going before God and, and, and asking for deliverance from the enemies of God. These enemies of David are a threat to his life. He said that their mouths and their, their iniquities, their insurrections would try to overthrow him, would try to dethrone him from his position, would try to take his very life. There, there are many uh, that live and strive uh, to blot out, to try to cancel and to destroy the people of God. You may know some in your workplace or in your family that would love nothing more than to see the people of God, the name of God, snuffed out in our nation. Hey, we're coming to a time and place where we, were, we probably are now, are quickly uh, in the minority of this nation. And though Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. And those that oppose God would like nothing better than to have their threatenings pronounced and to take those people of God out of the equation, out of the picture. You see, this is a person that has gone against God's people. And if you go against God's people, you go against God. 
It's like that whole big brother syndrome. Uh, the big, you may pick on the little brother, but if you pick on the little brother, you're going to have to deal with the big brother. Well, that's exactly the case when it comes to God's people. These, uh, these wicked uh, folks have produced their threatenings against David. David cries out to God. The threatenings of the subject. But then also the tongue of the subject. Look at verse 3. Who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even their bitter words. Their tongue is a weapon being used to destroy their enemy. Their misrepresentation of God, misrepresentation of God's people is blasphemy. You know what? That's what blasphemy is. It is to misrepresent God. Oh, many of us would never dare to take God's name in vain and to curse and to, and to, to swear and use God's name as a four-letter word to express disgust. But blasphemy is to misrepresent God as well. To, to portray Him wrongly or to portray His people wrongly. Here we find these folks with their tongue uh, beginning to lash out at God and His people. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, these are folks that are dead set against God. Dead set uh, opposed to God. They don't want nothing to do with God. They want His people destroyed. They want Him out of the way. They want, the, uh, they want to slander and use their tongue to destroy the people of God and God Himself. Notice also the trespass of the subject. Look at verse 5 and 6. They encourage themselves in an evil manner, and they commune of lying, uh, a commune of lying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search, both inward through, uh, both inward uh, thought of every one of them, and the heart is deep. Here we find they're trespassing. We have a complete and utter disregard for God's law. He said that they seek out iniquity. They, they shoot in, in secret the perfect and suddenly they shoot him. In verse 5, they encourage themselves in an evil manner. They get fired up at the fact of taking down God's people. They get, uh, uh, they get all uh, riled up and excited about taking down uh, God's people and the destruction and the defaming uh, of God's uh, name. We see the trespass. They don't mind going beyond God's law. Look at what they say in verse 6. They search out iniquities. They look for ways they can break God's law. They look for ways that they can lie, steal, fornicate, commit adulteries, covet, uh, trample God's day, uh, disrespect. They look for any opportunity they can to break God's law. Uh, they endeavor and scheme and plan to trample and trespass God's statutes. Their life is lived as a daring fish shake in God's face. They say to themselves, who's going to find out? Let's lay a snare for that child of God. Let's lay a trap for them. Let's go seek out iniquity. Let's go find what we can get into, what kind of sin we can perform. And they have no regard for God. They have a fist-shaking hatred for the things of God. The subject before the arrow of God. Notice lastly, the thoughts of the subject. The thoughts of the subject. It said in verse uh, 6, they search out uh, iniquities to accomplish them diligently. Both the inward thought 
of every one of them and the heart is deep. Their minds are consumed with the pleasure of sin for a season. Spurgeon said it best. Diligently they consider, invent, devise, and seek for wicked plans to wreck their malice. To wreak their malice. That's exactly the person that is in the crosshairs of God here. This is the person that is under the scope, the, uh, the, uh, in the way of the judgment of God. Yet this is no super sinner. This is no antichrist. This is no super sinner. The qualities of the subject are in the heart of each and every one of us in this room today. In an unregenerate state, listen, in an unregenerate state, that fist-shaking rebellion and seeking out of sin and willful breaking of God's law is in the heart of every one of us. If you're here today without Christ and you know not the Savior, you've never been born again, regenerated by the Spirit of God, you have the same heart that God has in His crosshairs here. You, my friend, are in the crosshairs of Almighty God. If you've never repented and put your trust in Christ and submitted unto His will, you're the one that's in the crosshairs of God's wrath. The subject before the arrow of God. At them. God will shoot the strength behind the arrow. The subject at them. Notice also the suddenness by the arrow of God's wrath. Notice our text, verse 7, is the main focal point. It said, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly, suddenly. What a word to find in our text. I don't think there's more of a fearful word in this whole psalm than that word right there. Suddenly, suddenly, in an instant, in a quick amount of time, in short order. We see, first of all, about this word suddenly, it's an unexpected arrow. It's an unexpected arrow. You can see these enemies of God maneuvering and planning to destroy the people of God. And then, unexpectedly, an arrow of God's wrath. I, I, I do not believe that God has a compound bow in heaven. <laughs> I, I don't believe He's got some kind of camouflaged uh, 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 mossy, uh, uh, what is that, bass pro shop compound bow next to the throne of God, but he has his arrows nonetheless. Now I will say this, uh, King Ahab in, in 1 Kings 22, 34, King Ahab was slain by an arrow, went right through his armor, through the what he tried to protect himself with. Remember he had killed Naboth and he had done wickedly following his wicked wife uh, uh, Jezebel. And, and, and uh, Elijah uh, made that prophecy that he would die and the dogs would lick his blood. And that arrow of God's justice, that arrow of God's wrath didn't instantly come when Elijah made the pronouncement. But it came nonetheless. It came at a later date when he was fleeing for his life. An arrow uh, uh, shot by a man who was, uh, the, 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 the text indicates, unskillful. I believe God took that arrow and slammed it right into the heart of Ahab, rendered him dead. You see, God has, but He doesn't have to use a specific arrow. The wrath of God may be 
uh, may be coming in another form, may be coming when least expected, but it is unleashed at an unexpected moment. I don't know how it's going to come, but it was unexpected. These folks making this plans, they didn't expect it. Suddenly, without warning. The same is true with all of us here today. If you're here without the Lord Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior, you have no assurance of the next heartbeat. You have no assurance of a safe ride home. You have no safe assurance of a, of a, a, a clear walk across the street or, or eating food in your house or, or guarding from some strange disease or illness. illness. At a moment's notice, God could send forth His arrow and strike you down into eternity. Don't think He can. He proves it time and time again in the Word of God. We see the suddenness of the arrow in, the, in an unexpected arrow. And then also in an undetermined arrow. This means the means of God's wrath is not always the same. Yes, He used an arrow to kill King Ahab, but He also used a, a tent peg to kill uh, Sisera in the book of Judges. A tent peg. God used uh, fire to consume Nadab and Abihu. The word arrow here, if you'll notice in our text, it said, but God shall shoot uh, at them with an arrow. That word arrow, it, into, it can be translated not only an arrow, but also a lightning bolt. A bolt of lightning. Reminds me of a story I read recently on, uh, coming from August 26th of this year in the Fujian province in China. There was uh, Wang was upset at his neighbor uh, friend Zhao and he went over to his house to try to collect a debt. Zhao had borrowed three years ago the equivalent of $70 from Wang. Wang came to the house with a baseball bat and going to collect the debt from his neighbor. And they begin to argue on Zhao's porch steps. Zhao, seeing Wong come toward him with a baseball bat, grabbed a rod nearby to defend himself. As the argument ensued, all that Wong wanted him to do was just, if you'll just swear to God that I did not lend you that money, I'll be satisfied and the debt will be cleared. Zhao, he pulled up that rod and he lifted it up in the air and he said, hoping to clear his debt, all he had to do was say, I swear to God that I didn't borrow any money. Took that rod, held it up in the air and said, I swear I never borrowed any money from you. Less than a minute later, Lightning struck that rod, hung up in the air, put him in the hospital, like to kill him. God's wrath may not come in an arrow or a lightning bolt, but it has numerous and many a way to find its way to its target. It may be an oncoming car. It may be, it may be the bad doctor's report. It may be this. It may be that. I don't know what it will be, but God's wrath is sure to come. For those that know not Christ, whether you're 18 or 80, God's got His sights on you. If you know not the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in danger of hellfire. You're in danger of God's judgment. You need to be aware of this. It is first of all the suddenness of the arrow of God's wrath. It's unexpected arrow, undetermined arrow, and then also an unavoidable arrow. Notice verse 7. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow suddenly. And then it says, suddenly shall they be wounded. Suddenly shall they be wounded. The arrows of God always hit their target. 
There is no place so small. There is no place so obscure as to be out of the range of God's judgment. There is no speed at which one can run to, uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the last point uh, to, to avoid the last tip of God's wrath. Nahum 1.3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit the wicked. If the God hath His way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are dust at His feet. God is in command. There's no target He won't miss. Death is assured to those that will not repent and believe the gospel. You can mark her down. Judgment day is coming. The wrath of God will be outpoured upon that rebellious soul that will not submit to the cross of Jesus Christ. The subject of the arrow, the suddenness of the arrow. Now finally, I want you to see not only the suddenness of the arrow, but the scene about the arrow of God's wrath. The scene about the arrow of God's wrath. Look at verse 8. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. And all that see them shall flee away. The resulting scene of this sudden strike of God's wrath is a gruesome one. But yet it's insightful. There's something to learn here. There's something to be aware of. There's something to remember here. First of all, the fall encountered by the rebellious. The fall encountered by the rebellious. The word wounded here is the same word translated several, many times in the Old Testament, slaughter. That word wounded could actually mean slaughtered as well. Not only with a mortal wound, not only with a wound that cannot be recovered from, but a a wound that kills a wound that maims and destroys life. Spurgeon said they desired, uh, they desired to inflict deadly wounds and are smitten themselves with wounds which none can heal. They, uh, whether they were received from, uh, from their, uh, whether they recovered from their wounds or whether, they, uh, whether God dealt a final, a fatal blow, it is unclear. What is clear is that the rebellious toward God will not go unpunished. Verse 8 says, They uh, shall, and so shall, uh, so they shall make their own tongue to fall. In verse 8, it seems as though in the midst of their blasphemy, in the midst of their speaking, God sent that arrow. Their tongue shall fall. In the midst of their reviling, in the midst of a rebellion toward God and His people, they were stopped dead in their tracks. You see, the resulting scene for the wicked is a fall to be experienced. A fall encountered by the rebellious. But I want you to notice also, not only the fall uh, encountered by the rebellious, but the fear experienced by the related, those nearby. Look at the latter part of verse 8. And all that see them shall flee away. Look at verse 9. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. Can you imagine the scene? A man is selected by God's sovereignty, by His wrath to be poured out upon him. And God sends whatever calls, a lightning bolt, whatever He uses to, to rain down wrath upon this person. And He struck dead all around His cohorts, those that were with Him, going on with this, uh, uh, this uh, assault against God's people. And all of a sudden, this man drops dead around them. 
Can you imagine what would happen? Everybody stands back. Everybody's in awe. Everybody's fearful. Everybody's frightened. Everybody takes cover. You see, there's something to be learned from that. In an interview with a resident that was living near the body or near where Angel Martinez's body was found, they were expressed that fear to even step outside their door. Where would the archer be? Could the archer still be lurking in the trees or in the nearby buildings? Is he, is he still lurking in the distance? They were afraid to walk down the sidewalk. They expressed their fear as well. If you're here today in your rebellious state, you have never, never put your trust in Jesus. I'm much like I was outside of Christ before God saved me, I thought the church was full of a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of phony balonies that try to impress each other with their clothes and their, and their greetings. I didn't have nothing to do with them. I want you to know God's crosshairs are upon you. And you, would you not take the example of this man, this rebellious man that died in Scripture and take a step back and wonder, could I be next? Could I be the one to follow in his tracks? Could I be the one that God pours out his wrath against next? next? If you are here today and you're rebellion towards God, look at the body of your comrade here in this text. Look at the body of the one struck down by the wrath of God. You can go down the annals of time and how God, his, his wrath may work slowly at times, but his wrath works surely God will bring the wicked down this text is here for those that are nearby to those that are related to this scene to fear God let this fear of God drive you to the cross of Jesus let this fear drive you to the city of refuge for the guilty sinner come find safety from the wrath of God at the foot of the cross where Jesus the spotless lamb of God suffered the full measure of the arrow of God's wrath do you realize that that's what happened on the cross the cross is not just some sentimental ornament that Christians wear around their neck. It is the place, it is the bullseye of God's wrath upon sin where God unleashed the torrent, the piercing torrent of His wrath against on, on His only begotten Son in your place. You see, if you will receive Jesus Christ, then that arrow that had your name on it will be crossed out and place His name on it it will become His arrow that was spent at Calvary. His wrath. There's plenty enough wrath poured out upon the Lord Jesus that you could be acquitted of your sin, your rebellion towards God. You could leave here today free from the wrath to come. No more worrying about the arrow of God in your day-to-day life if you will but receive Christ and what Christ did for you on the cross. The fear experienced by the related. Will you? Does another person have to die near you while putting together this message all I could think about was the crocodile man how many of you saw the crocodile man on TV as crazy as can be you know I don't know I couldn't find his spiritual views what he thought about things Uh, I know a lot of people say well surely the crocodile hunter for as much as he loved the animals is in heaven now I don't know I don't know if he knew the Lord. He'll never get to heaven without repenting and putting his trust in Jesus. So that just leave it right there. But the man, the man seemed to worship the world around him, the animals that around him. What does Romans chapter 1 says? They took the creature and made him the God. 
while he's filming that scene with that uh, manta ray, that stingray, that stingray come across and smote him in the heart, injecting that poison. Uh, that, that crocodile hunter was dead in moments. You don't know when it will be your last moment. It's time to stand back in fear. God could strike at any moment. You children are not safe, uh, are not safe havens from the wrath of God. If you understand that Christ died on that cross for you and realize that you've broken God's law and are a sinner, you're in the same crosshairs as the 80-year-old a rebellious man that spits at the name of God and hates God with all his being. You're in the same crosshairs. God mercifully has held back His wrath. His mighty fingers have held the bow of His anger, the bow of His wrath against sin. He is merciful, but yet He is just and righteous and must judge sin. How long will He suffer you? How long will He wait until you put your trust in Christ? How long will He forbear the judgment and the wrath to come? Finally, I want you to see the faith that is encouraged by the righteous. The faith that is encouraged by the righteous. Look at at verse 10. It said in verse 10, The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Now I'm not in any way happy at all or glad about the death of angel Martinez. But I wipe my brow in relief that it wasn't me. That that when I was 20 years old, 18 years old, before March the 20th, 1994, fresh 21 year old, I'm glad that the arrow of God's wrath didn't strike me. If you're here tonight and you are truly saved, there was a time, however brief it was, or however long it was, when you were vulnerable to the wrath of God. When God had you in His crosshairs. Oh, listen, don't look so self-righteous. The heart of man is rebellious and wicked. The heart of man is, 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 uh, is sin depraved. There is none righteous, no, not one. If all mouths stray away from God. Listen, when God found you, when you got saved, you weren't looking for God. Don't listen to the radio preacher. We are dead set against God. We may be looking for a God that will make us feel good about ourselves. We may be looking for a God that make us feel complacent and satisfied and happy. You might have been looking for that God, but that's not the God of the Bible. Yes, He does bring joy. Yes, He does bring satisfaction. But the heart of man is desperately wicked. You're not looking for God. You're running 90 miles away from God. And if you're not encountered by the Spirit of God, if you're not convicted of your sin... That arrow of God's wrath will find you out. But if you're here today and realize your rebellion towards God, realize you've sinned, you've stepped beyond the boundaries that God has laid out in His Ten Commandments, you've broken God's law. Matter of fact, you've trampled it. You said, I don't care what God said about lying. I don't care what God said about stealing or covetousness or obeying my mother and father or taking the Lord's name in vain. I don't care what boundaries He set up. You are in a precarious position today. You are in the crosshairs of God's wrath. You are due the just punishment for sin. But thank God on March the 20th, 1994, Christ 
redeemed me. Christ struck my name off the arrow of His wrath for me and praise God, it landed in the Lord Jesus. My sins are gone, past, present, and future done away in Christ Jesus. That arrow, that arrow that was meant for me has passed into the Lord Jesus. God is not an assassin. <laughs> A message like this may conjure up uh, images of God as an assassin. He is not uh, in, in the, in dis, an indiscriminate killer flinging lightning bolts and arrows at a whim. He is a merciful, long-suffering God who endeavors to provoke the surrender of His adversaries. You know, that's what I've been trying to do today. If you're here today and you're the adversary of God, I am trying to provoke you to surrender. These folks shot arrows as well. You read the early part of this psalm. They shot some arrows of their own. But I am trying to convince. And I believe God through this psalm is trying to convince man to put down their weapons. To relent. To repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ. In Him alone. You see, God is not willing that you be destroyed. God is not willing that you fall prey to the judgment of God. He wants you to lay down your weapons and come to Him. Repent, believe, come to Christ today. Don't put it off. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand for a moment of invitation. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Oh, how, what a, a precarious place to live. What an uncertain place to live. You know, I've preached a lot of messages like this in the past and tried to, Reveal to folks their precarious position. Jonathan Edwards in that great message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that swept through this nation and produced the first great awakening, pictured the sinner as on a spider's web over the flames of hell. And at any moment, that the flames of hell could lick that spider's web and send that sinner out into eternal torment. I believe that's what God's trying to do in this text. I'm not as eloquent as Jonathan Edwards, but I would like to strike that fear in your own heart. I pray the Holy Ghost would do that. Would put a fear of God in your heart. Oh, listen, God is a God to be feared, a God of anger, a God of righteousness. Sin will not go unpunished. Either you'll bear the consequences of God's wrath by the arrow of God's wrath and unto the eternity of God's wrath, or it'll be taken by the Lord Jesus and placed on that cross. Plenteous ability to be saved. Plenteous blood to save all. You come today. There's no doubt about that. But will you repent? Will you submit to the cross? Will you come to Christ? As we begin to sing, what song are we singing? I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand Podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.